Welcome to the Indie Music Room, a conversation with independent artists about writing, recording, performing, and promoting their original music. And now here's your host, Heather Kelly. Hey everybody, it's Heather Kelly, your host, and I'm super excited to announce our guest for the month of October. He's not only a friend, but he's known as a legend around this area. Um, our, our network uh, of musicians and friendships are all combined and he's been in the music business over 50 years and also in Iowa Rock and Roll 2009 Hall of Fame inductee. And here we are today. I want to introduce you with Mikey Kuzak. Mike, how are you doing? I'm just fine as frog's hair. Thank you. I woke up breathing this morning. Hey, isn't that a good day, right? Yeah, buddy. I know that's right. Well, I tell you what, I know you very well. Um, and I want you to let all of our listeners know a little bit about your background, the beginnings of your music career, and then we'll get into it. Okay. Well, I kind of grew up in a musical family. My dad was a drummer and my mom sang and played pianos. And every like Friday and Saturday night, this lady, Annie Thompson, would come over and sit with us or they'd send us to my grandma and grandpa's house and they'd go out and do a show. And so I started playing piano around five and I didn't like it. And I, I would like kick my feet off beat. And my mom would get so mad. But then when I was 13, you know, uh, 12, the Beatles came out and we had an old guitar and I've been playing it for years. And I'm like, that's what I want to do, you know? Right. So my dad went to his buddy who was a Strat player and he would sit in a chair, you know, yeah. like a folding chair on the floor. And in front of him was this brand new technology called black light. So he painted, <laughs> yes. he painted blotches on this old Stratocaster. And my dad bought it for me for Christmas when I was 13 for 50 bucks. Oh, wow. And man, it was the ugliest damn thing. It, it turned out to be uh, a 1954 Strat serial number 0601. And they claim that was like the last week of May, first week of June. They they couldn't nail it back in those days. Wow. And, and that guitar was so ugly. All my buddies were getting these cool looking Tesco things that were like sunburst or one solid color. And I had this thing with blotches on it. <laughs> It's like malaria, you know, <laughs> but you could play my guitar. The other guitars, you know, action was like that thick right. off the neck. And, and my guitar played great. And of course, I still have it played it all my life. You know, it's and then I went to college. OK, OK. And met uh, this guy, Frederick Hardy. We would drink the Boone's Farm on the Friday nights <laughs> and some other stuff, too, you know. Yeah. But he played, and we both had acoustics. So we thought, uh, well, since at 13, I'd broken both my legs playing football. Oh. And I figured, the Beatles, look at this, man. I can meet girls by playing in a band. <laughs> and so Frederick Hardy and I, back to college in 71, would play our guitars and drink the Boone's Farm and the other stuff yeah. and meet these cute little 18, 19-year-old hippie chicks back in the day got it and that pretty much sold me and uh we went to school another year and a half and realized it wasn't for us so we split and uh bass player bill hoft was living on a farm in rembrandt 
we went up there and started putting a band together by the name IFRB. Right. And there you have it. And then Arnie Bodie came along and we had Ted Klotz playing drums with us right off the bat. And Ted was out of sight, man, such a great drummer. I'm Maya Copa. I'm fortunate to know all these killer drummers, but right. we knew Ted for a week and rehearsed four times and went down to Cedar Rapids to play a gig on a Friday night. And those guys wanted to drink and meet girls and hang out, but I wanted to come home right. to the farm there in Rembrandt. Well, just north of, uh, oh, I forget where. I fell asleep, drove the truck off the road, <laughs> and it flipped, and the gears all over the creek bank. And I could see everything except the two kick drums. Ted had two kick drums then. Okay. And I looked a little closer and holding my pickup truck up out of the creek were these two beautiful Rogers kick drums. <laughs> and uh, Ted stayed with the band for about another month and then oh. decided he had to split and go to Kansas. And yeah. he joined this uh, Pottawatomie County Pork and Bean Band, which were a big band down there, Pot County Band. Yeah. And, and Arnie came on board and that kind of solidified it right there. Bill right. Hoft on bass, Frederick Hardy, myself, and Arnie Bodie. Right. And we had a gas, man. We'd go to Fort Dodge, which was a big city in those <laughs> days, 1973, and hang out. And Arnie's dad was a well-known percussion instructor. And we'd hang out at this guy, Ronnie Waters, Ron Waters Music Store, kind of devoted to drums and he and Arnie, you know, they were pals and got along pretty good and uh, started playing gigs around there and played a lot of beer parties and uh, a lot of biker parties, which are always a gas. Well, of course. And, and yeah, and then just kind of went on from there and went out uh, where you're sitting right now. At I know. Junior's. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, I'm at the infamous Junior's Motel Recording Studio in Otho, Iowa, um, a, a home to many, many artists. Uh, over the years. Uh, yes, that's how I met you. I'm so glad I met you. I'm honored. But well, talk do, about Bob. it. Back yeah. at you. But uh, infamous, that isn't quite a good enough word. It's a great, great word. But man, that place was off the charts. Yeah, It was Kirk and Frank Wewell, Arnie Bodie, and Keith Howdy, yeah. Keith Brown. Uh, it was their little baby. And, and boy, I'll tell you, Kirk was out of sight at producing and getting the right sounds and it was our first you know we shot it really recording right and christ in heaven it had bore me to tears <laughs> it, it, it was like a, a shot of thorazine you know your eyes are rolling up in your head and you're trying yeah. to play it again can you do that again or we're gonna cut you in right here mikey and it just went on and on and on and we weren't very good at recording but by god with the help of kirk we come out okay. You did. Not great, but just kind of okay. So, you know, I know um, you guys did a lot of cover songs, but you are a songwriter. You've written well, some was. Great songs. I wrote a couple, you know, out of necessity more than anything. <laughs> Why do you feel it was a necessity? Just lack of material or, or? Yeah, you know, and we had a manager who had beat us, this beautiful guy who I love, and I still talk to him today, Greg Schuler. Okay. Fellow by the name of Shoe Shuey. 
And he'd say, man, you guys better write some songs or I'm going to beat you in the head till your eyes bug out <laughs> and hold back on certain things. So me and Frederick Carty, man, we sat down and we busted trying to write songs and so many songs, you know, you pitch mm -hmm. and then so many songs, you'll go back to the pitch twins and pull like something out of there and something out of here and something out of there. And it's like, oh, looky here. This right. works. Let's do this. Absolutely. One of the greatest experiences of my life was about that three year push in there and learning to write songs and playing with it and pushing ourselves and then going in there. And for a guy like Kirk, who never has anything nice to say, <laughs> for him to say, for Kirk to say, that'll work, I think. Let's try that. And I was right. like, yay, we got Kirk. Yeah, yeah, he's a hard one to convince, but once you do, he's all on board. So. Oh, dear Lord, I couldn't have said it better. He is tough as hell to convince, but once he's there, man, he's a team player. You know what? The nuns taught me. There's That's no right. I or me in team, but there's a you in suck. Oh. <laughs> and with Kirk on board, there was no sucking whatsoever. It was all solid teamwork, and I learned a lot from Kirk in regards to that. I know it. He's a great guy. You know, there's the first song we're going to play today. Uh, I've heard you perform live. My band has opened up for your band. On a couple yes, ma'am. We need to do that again. Hey, I'm a I'm a recording artist these days, no longer a performing artist. So I'm totally cool with that. But nice the first night. song. Yeah. The first song we're going to play today. Um, I almost feel like singing it because I like it so much, but it's called Take a Liking. Oh, yeah. Take a liking. Take a liking. Baby, take a liking. Yeah, I love that song. But that's the first okay. one we're going to play today. So why don't you tell me a little bit about um, how you wrote that and, and what where your thoughts were when you did? Well, being a guitar player, you know, almost everything is riff oriented for me. It's a personal thing. Mm -hmm. Some guitar players or songwriters will sit and strum and play chords and come up with a lovely melody, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It was me, with me, it had to be around a rock and riff. So we got that riff and we were doing a show. Uh, I'll tell you what it was. Larry Johnson had promoted this show. He was a promoter in those days and he managed us too. But the headliner was Kansas. And we got on that bill to open the show. And there are all these all, well, all these ladies, you know, I don't know why I keep going back to that lady thing. Because you're a man, Mikey, you're a man. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and we thought, hey, man, look at those chicks and how they're like, hey, look at me, look at me. Yeah. And we said, let's do this. Take a liking to me, baby, take a liking to me. Yeah. And it just went on from there and you had to find other lyrics. And it seems like there's a space in this song where we should have put in another chorus part or something, but we didn't. <laughs> well, I think it's perfect the way it is. So what we're going to do is sweetheart. And again, congratulations on your recording thing and being off the road. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, I've been inspired from everybody that, that I've met in, in this network circle we have. So with that said, we're going to take a listen to Take a Liking, and we'll be back right with Mikey after the song. Take a liking to me, baby, take a liking to me Take a liking to me, baby, take a liking to me I got something gonna make you quiver You had your brothers, you would have no other I'm a ruthless lover Gonna take a liking to me 
take a liking to me. was Take a Liking, written by Mikey Kuzak. That's a great song, Mikey, one of my favorite. Again, I sing along to it when I hear it. It uh, gets gets the room moving. So Thank you, Heather. Yeah, Thanks you got me. that. So after that, tell me a little bit about, um, a little bit more into your experience and where you went after that. Well, let's see. We got pretty lucky from playing all those little gigs, beer parties, you know, biker parties, that kind of thing. Yeah. And we were getting to where we could pull it off. That Back then, I mean, there's all this political stuff in the air, kind of like there is now, only we didn't notice any of it because we were too busy having fun. Right, right. And that's what FRB was all about, you know. Freedom Rock Band. By those of you who don't know, Freedom Rock Band is FRB. Yeah, that's so ill. Yeah. Very acronymic. But anyway, uh, our management started getting this shows with like uh oh gosh sorry about the phone ring i'm in the studio what happens oh that's okay pick it up if you have to i don't want to keep going you're more important but we started getting shows with like uh charlie daniels and bunches of other bands you know big name bands and of course we didn't have a record or product or anything but we could get up there and uh play on that stage and come out through that big giant pa and get people going yeah. Like take a liking to me and all that kind of thing. It was all about having fun. And the people that we played for, like there was a place uh referred to as L Z for landing zone. Uh-huh. A lot of nom vets were coming back. And that was Lorenz, Iowa. And boy, did we have fun in that town. Oh, I bet you did. We did everything a person could do yeah. back in those days. You know, it's interesting is um, you started uh, FRB, what, 71? Well, actually, it was like uh, 66 when I was a 12-year-old kid. Okay. And Bill Hoft was playing with me. We'd both taken lessons from the Shusso brothers, Don Shusso from the Senders. Oh, my gosh. Don and Dave, my dad played with the Senders for about... 10 years, eight years. Yeah. I knew that, man. I'd forgotten about it. Yes. I'd go, they'd take us out there. My dad would take me out to the uh, Shusso Farm, southwest of Fonda, where I grew up. And Don would give lessons. And man, he he was a magical cat. He was so good. I mean, he just rocked mightily. So that's where I learned a lot of that stuff. But then, yeah, about 71 ish, the FRB, we got rid of the freedom rock band and just left it at frb and moved forward from there yeah it's been so fun to um get to know you and 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 the circle of friends that we have in common and to hear the stories and i will share with you that i went online because i always do my research before these and i couldn't find much online so i actually picked up the telephone and called several of your past musician friends and I got wow. I got some lowdowns on you. So oh dear Lord! I did, and they're coming up. But 
right now, <laughs> why don't you tell me a little bit about You Ain't Loving Me, Leaving Me. You Ain't, you leaving, ain't me. leaving Me was just, uh, you know, you're a young guy and you got that guy stuff going on within yourself, the right. chemistry. And it was just kind of one of those things, I guess, you know, it was like, and I like you a lot and I'm not trying to control you, but in fact, I guess I am. Yeah. Kind of thing. Terrible, terrible. Not good nowadays. And I'm sorry I was like that, but hey, man, that's just the way it was back in the sure. early 70s. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to take a quick listen to You Ain't Leaving Me by Mikey Kuzak, and we'll be right back with you. Okay. All right. 10 second break. You are an amazing person. I tell you what, bless your little heart. That's cool that you knew Don and Dave. My dad played with them. Yeah. It, the story is like, that. if I could do like a, uh, a family tree in all the branches of musicians, how I know like people, it, it would be crazy. It would be. All right. We got to get back into it. Three, yeah. two. That was You Ain't Leaving Me, Mikey Kuzak. Another great song. Nice lady. Thank you kindly. That's right. So moving on from there, let's hear a little more of your story. Well, let's see. We were rocking mightily there. And like I say, getting these gigs and playing different places. Had uh, a school bus we rode around in. Carried <laughs> band. Yeah, man. Band and gear. Bought it over there in uh, Albert City from that guy who refurbs old buses. Right. And it was a great bus, man. And we had this thing. We'd been out for five weeks, did this show in Mankato, and all came home and uh, went about our way. Everybody, you know, you needed like 36 hours or so to kind of chill out. Oh, after, yeah. After about 36 hours, we got a call and heard that there'd been a fire at Arnie and Julie's house. I know. And that kind of uh, that kind of did that. We had a couple gigs booked that we had to do, like uh, cobblestone ball. So Pardon me. That would have been really hard at the to to you know that was that was devastating. So it would have been it really was, hard. Yeah. It was so. I mean, all you can say is it was sad. Mm -hmm. It was. My dad even came to the funeral. You yeah, know, he was a drummer. But. Life went on. Johnny Boland came and played that show in Storm Lake. Great. And after that, we kind of thought, well, let's sort of shut her down or put it on hold and see what happens. Yeah. And I split and uh, went to California and played in this band called Baby. Okay. Who were originally a Texas band. And they'd come up here and do shows late 60s, early 70s. And they were living in LA, in LA and I went out there and... Uh, Lived with them and learned all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was ruthless, the stuff I learned out there. And it was a different way of life. But that went on. And then uh, I got a gig where I could work for my buddy, Larry Johnson, okay. in 79, who just put together this thing, a merchandise company. And his first act, he met him at our house, our friends with this band called Toto. Okay. So it was a three-week tour. He asked me if I'd go out and do it. And nobody knew anything in 1979 except Bill Graham about how to sell T-shirts. Sure. And for years, you know, at like the Fillmore's, he wasn't selling them. He was just giving away like 360 pieces after shows. 
for free, first come, first serve. Wow. So he started the thing, and I did that three weeks on Toto. Got back to L.A. and realized I made enough money because the band wasn't really going anywhere then. Okay. Okay. But I could throw all my shit back into my van and drive home to Iowa. I had actually enough money to do that. <laughs> well, there's it, some success. Dig that. And I had enough money left to buy another pretty beat up old used Strat, which I don't have anymore. Okay. You know, I don't even know what the hell happened to that guitar. It was pretty good. Yeah. But then uh, I decided I got this call from a buddy of mine in Kansas City who had a studio in his house and says, hey, why don't you come down and record some stuff? Right. So at that time, Pot County Pork and Bean Band, where Ted had been all those years, was breaking up. So it's like, Ted, why don't you come to Kansas City, man? And we rented this duplex that had... uh, a room for me and my wife on the south, or a room, a house, and a house on the north for Ted. Okay, <laughs> and Bobby Bird, who was the front of house guy from Baby back in the day. Okay. And we started playing and recording. And then for one reason or another, my buddy and his wife with the studio had to move to Florida. So I followed them down there and was still playing. But once uh, one day an audition came up and I went down to this place in Coconut Grove, club called Club in the Grove, did the audition. And by golly, I got the gig. (laughs) Dig that. And it was a rocking little joint. Most clubs down there close up at 1 a.m. Okay. But this was a three o'clock in the morning joint. And we'd start around 11 and go till three in the morning. Oh, I and could never one, do that. <laughs> oh, it was a gas man. On every night was a jam night. Yeah, guys would come in like around one thirty after their gig in like cowboy hats and cowboy gear, or tuxedos with cummerbunds speaking Spanish and pulling their horns out of their cases. And I learned so much at that club, man. I was there for three and a half years, wow. Wednesday through th- through Saturday night, and yes. the breaks between sets were awesome. I bet they were. Oh, dear. That's Lord. why you were able to stay up all night and play. Yeah, I, after three in the morning, I generally would go back to my house and try to go to sleep, and that just wasn't going to happen. Right, right. So, but anyway, it was a fun life, and I learned so many great things and did that gig, had a great time. And then uh, Ronnie Wood came to, down, to town. Okay. And had a bunch of investor buddies who said, hey, man, we can get a real good deal on this old hotel down in uh, on South Beach. Can we use your name? And Ronnie Wood's like, well, sure, you know, give me a little taste and you got whatever you want. So they called it Woody's on the Beach. And Bobby Keys was the band leader, a sax player, played with the Stones, all kinds of guys. Bobby passed about five, six years ago. But he hired me to be the guitar player in that band. And the first shows we really did were three nights of backing up Ronnie Wood. Okay. And, oh, man, it was a gas. We rehearsed a few days, and Ronnie knew where the key was in the afternoons rehearsing to get into the liquor cabinet (laughs) in the bar. And, you know, it was a typical whole Miami day. And 
and uh, didn't eat a lot. Yeah. But boy, we sure got to play in tight and had a great time. Backed up Ronnie and some other guys. Uh, uh, Bobby Kimball from Toto. And he was a great uh, piano player and singer. And uh, uh, Greg Allman. Shit, I can't even think of all the other guys. Lots of blues artists. You yeah. know, you just get up there. Even Katie Seagal. Wow. And she sang her ass, man. She was great. But that was a fun, fun time. And then that thing went away. And uh, I'm, I kind of forget what happened after that. Oh, I know what it was. I guess my buddy called. And I one thing I learned about that three-week stint of doing merchandise for the Toto guys was that, you know, like Mike Stan, big X over it. Box of T-shirts dollar sign yeah and i thought well you know that's a heck of a note and i went out there and did another tour for a month had enough money to buy yet another stratocaster and a mesa boogie amp head and i just kind of got into that and kept going and going and going i got a down in the basement i got i shouldn't say that i have well, sir, some, we don't want to tell where your your lucrative items are <laughs> Yeah, man, I got some really cool old pieces. Yeah. And I'm starting to think about selling them because I got this arthritis pretty good here in this old wrist, you know. I'll tell you what amazes me is you're not only uh, an amazing, fantastic musical artist, you were a business minded and uh, you, you, you did. You made some really great choices. Um, I, I do want to tell all my guests that I am going to play the next song and we're going to talk a little bit about it and we're going to close out this 30 minute interview. But what I'm going to do this month, because he's a legend and everybody around here knows him and loves him, we're going to do a separate conversation after the show. So be looking for that on YouTube, but let's talk about Neanderthal. 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 Can't even say the word, but yeah, talk about that. Well, not much to say uh, by the time he'd play that song. It was a simple boogie song, you know. Yeah. We do it last song of the night. And by that time, a lot of fans, you know, they'd been pounded beers and doing sure. whatever else and, and dancing and shaking around all night and they're ringing wet. And some of them, some of these chicks who just looked so beautiful at back at nine o'clock at night, by now it's like one in the morning. And they're they're kind of looking a little rougher because they've been drinking and their hair's not Oh, there, yeah. And they had this kind of Neanderthalic look about <laughs> on that time of night. And, and the people have lost their balance and they can't even dance to the beat anymore. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking um, I've about. I've had a night or two like that. So I totally. You know. <laughs> with that said, here we're going to go ahead and take a listen to Neanderthal Beauty with Mike. Nice lady. <laughs> Thank you. 
I can't even say the word Neanderthal beauty. And I can see, um, I get the visual now that you explained to me what you saw. <laughs> and when you played, I think that's great concept. Uh, tell me what's going on with you now. Uh, I know you're kind of retired and, and taking, you know, just taking it easy and, and by God, you deserve it. You've had so many years, such an impressive career. Tell me. Um, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you tell me what's, what else has been going on? Well, man, I was doing a lot of those big uh, gigs with like a 53-foot trailer and wow. a couple guys, these big merch gigs, you know, for a lot of bigger Canadian bands, Sarah McLaughlin, Bare Naked. Oh, really? Yeah, Little Avril Lavigne. Oh, my what gosh, I love all those. Yeah, man, and it was a gas. But I guess around 05, I got to thinking, you know, I don't like all this high-level stuff so much anymore. And I've had, uh, as a client for supply deals, George Thurgood since 1991. And I thought, man, I bet I can go out and hide out with those guys and make about the same dough yeah. and not have all the work and a big truck and just, you know, kind of be under the, under the radar. So I did. And you we know, got back. Pardon? That's so cool. Well, it was a gas. And then in, uh, 2020, everything's fine, man. January, New Zealand, Australia. Come back here February into March, southeast, you know, Florida and a whole bunch of states down there. Everything's fine. March the 14th, I go to the air. We tip the truck on the 13th in Nashville. I get on a plane on the 14th. Everything's fine. Right. Two hours later, I get off the plane here at MSP and people are frowning at me because just me and a couple other people are the only ones without a mask. Oh, it happened that quickly. It really did. It, it's like somebody flipped a switch. Yeah. And, and I needed a, a new hip really bad. Yeah. And so I'd set up a thing a couple weeks out with my doctor and I went and told her the whole thing. And she says, well, okay, man, if you need a hip, you need a hip. I mean, you could, I could walk in her office and it sounded like, out of tune bass strings. You can oh, hear my leg. That's yeah, gross. Ouch. Yeah. I'm, I, you needed that. <laughs> yeah. So I got it all set up. And then on the uh, 19th of March, they canceled all those uh, selective surgeries or elective surgeries. Sure. So I'm there and uh, my doctor says, I want you to go to the pulmonary lady. And she's a nice doctor, this pulmonarian. And uh, I'd gone to her six months before, and I had to go back and do it again. And in uh, last week of June 2020, she says, by golly, Mikey, you have uh, lung cancer, man. Yeah. And we want to whack off the top 30 of your left lung and give you the chemo <laughs> and then radiate your bottom right. So and they, when I got out of the surgery, they noticed I couldn't walk. Uh-huh. So they brought me a cane. <laughs> And man, I got really good with it. You'd have been so proud of me, Heather. I could. I am proud of you. Do cane tricks, you know, open doors and shit. And, but so uh, I couldn't get the. So I got real good with the cane, and then I finally got a hip operation on September the eighteenth. Yeah. And I did too much too soon. Of course. So, yeah, got a hairline fracture of my femur, and had to go back on the cane for an additional two months and virtually not move. So I started to walk again in 01 in March. 
And by the end of March, I had a little track out in my house and I was doing three miles plus a day. Good for you. I just wanted to learn how to walk so I could go back to work. Then July 13th, by golly, I didn't tell anybody, but we went back to work. And uh, our species, you know, to each his own. That's all I can say. Right, Everything's right. got to remain true. But I got out. I worked so hard to go back to work. And then I kind of realized, man, this kind of sucks out here. It's all dirty and shit. Yeah. And I, uh, I went. I stayed out there until I came home on November the 10th when a doctor showed up. At a show out in Colorado, outdoor show, and man, it was dirty and dust was blowing, and, and God loved the people there. She says, what are you doing here, man? And I says, what do you mean? Did, didn't anybody tell you that you're immunocompromised now? Yeah. I'm like, no. Right. Says, well, how could you not know that? Didn't you look up your, uh, your operation? And so there you have it. Yeah. Mike, you've been through so tired. much. You've been, oh, you know, been I'll tell you what. You are a fighter. You are a legend around here. I am so glad we had this opportunity. But what I want to remind our, our followers is uh, I've never done this before and the history of Indie Music Room, but I am going to post a part two session because this guy this that's had so many experiences. We need to hear more of the story. And if you want to hear about all the quotes and comments from the friends that I've reached out to, join into part two with that said mikey thank you so much it's been my privilege to have you and my honor i adore you i love you and um thank you for for coming on today and don't forget to hit the subscribe button on fordodgeradio.com so you never miss an episode you've been listening to the indie music room with heather kelly be sure to listen every Saturday and Sunday right here on FortDodgeRadio.com and subscribe for all our past and upcoming shows. The Indie Music Room is a production of FortDodgeRadio.com.